Hello, hello everybody. Before I get started, don't forget to check out QuasarComponents.com if you want to learn all 72 plus of Quasar's components. Right, into this podcast. Now, a lot of you probably don't know this, but I tried to start a business um, a while back selling uh, Chihuahua toys. And things were actually going pretty well. Um, but the reason that I stopped doing that is because I wanted to focus on my coding videos. And I thought, you know, I might be able to make some short-term money with this um, Chihuahua toy business. And honestly, I probably could have made a decent amount. I think it's a really hot market. But I ended up deciding, you know what? No, I want to focus on doing coding videos. That's the lifestyle I want. I want to make money by um, creating something uh that I enjoy doing, that I'm really passionate about, that I can share with other people as well. Anyway, that's kind of beside the point of this podcast. So one of the things I learned about running Facebook ads is this concept of casting a wide net. Basically, um, what I call it now is going wide so that you can go far. And I think that somebody else probably coined that term, going wide so that you can go far. But anyway, regardless of who coined it, I found it to be a really, really fantastic concept. And it's it's not just something that you do once. You kind of, I've learned that you go wide and then go far. And then, you know, as you go, as you start going far, you need to go wide again and then go far again. You kind of need a tic-tac between these two things. So in regards to Facebook marketing, uh, one of the best things to do is rather than being super specific with your targeting to begin with, you end up being pretty broad. Some stuff that you're very confident is going to fit your market um, and then you start doing advertisement for that specific market and then Facebook basically allows you to then discover who are the kinds of people that are interested in your product you can start like talking to people then and you can start getting a clearer picture um, based on that very wide net that you've cast and then once you get a much closer idea a much better idea of who's buying the product then you can start getting getting more narrow right so for example maybe i cast a really wide net and i say i'm going to try and sell this product to absolutely everyone uh and, and then face so you you say that to facebook just sell it to everybody in australia for example because maybe that's the easiest place for us to ship and so we start like that and then maybe we start talking to our customers, gathering more data on our customers, and we find that people that are between 25 and 35 are more likely to be interested in our product. They're more likely to purchase. Then what we'll do is we'll say, well, we'll target people between the age of 25 and 35. And then maybe we find that people that are interested in dogs, I know that's kind of an obvious one, but people that are interested in um. In, and you know what? Maybe it's small and large dogs. Maybe we find that a lot of people um, that are interested in large dog stuff are still interested in buying small dog stuff, right? That might be something that surprises you about the numbers, that surprises you about the vo results, which is one of the reasons you go wide in the first place because there's a lot of stuff that you won't even realize is the case. And so then you can start tweaking your audience and getting a lot more specific about um, the audience that you want to um, that you want to target. So you start by going wide, cast a really wide net, and then you start narrowing that net down. Um, and another example of that is maybe you'll run ads to five different audiences um, that are targeting different types of things, and then you can see. So I'd call that, for example, um, I'd call that example casting a wide net because you're looking at a whole bunch of different audiences, very broad um, market. And then 
as people from those different audiences start to reveal themselves, right, you know, eventually one of those is going to be the winner. Or maybe two or three of those tend to be the winner, and then two of those audiences ended up being um, not so good. So this is casting a wide net and then getting more narrow. All right, so now you get the point. I found that this is also true for coding as well, but the concept is a little bit different. When I think about going wide with coding, I think about building, spending time building an architecture that's going to allow me to go further in the long run without hitting any brick walls, right? That, that brick walls is kind of the key point here. And this goes into my argument about, um, you know, Firebase versus something like Laravel or Django or whatever as a backend. To me, Firebase will get you going very quickly but to, for me, it's going narrow too early. For, like Because you're very likely to hit a brick wall um, with Firebase because you are much more... Um, your architecture of your database is a lot more... Uh, is a lot less flexible, right? I'm, I'm sure you can get flexibility out of the, uh, a Firebase database, but it's much harder and you have to use... Um, Google services, right? So it's for me, that's going narrow too early. It's basically saying you're going to make all of these decisions for me. Anyway, that's another story. So um, I like to go really wide and think about things like, um, I'll give you an example. Recently, we started using procedures in our database, right? So what I could have done is I could have said, all right, I know how to use procedures. Let's just start using them all over the place, right? And that would have allowed us to get moving faster. We would have been able to release features a lot faster. However, um, I decided to start going wide. Rather than just saying, cool, let's just use procedures all over the place, I thought, let's create a good architecture so whenever we need to reach for a procedure, um, we're following good practices and a lot of the code is already written for us, right? And we have a way of doing procedures. And so this took about a week of work. I thought, all right, I want to have a folder that is automatically loaded um, for all of my procedure queries. And I want to make it so that every time I push to production, it makes sure that all my procedures are up to date. And for those of you that don't know what a, a procedure is, it's like an SQL function. It's not really a function, though. It's basically like an SQL query, but you can pass it parameters. And it can run multiple queries in one go. So that's kind of what a procedure is. Um, yeah, and so I was like, okay, I want to be able to have a place to put my procedures. I want them to be automatically updated every time I deploy my code. Um, I want to have a command that I can call on the command line that's basically going to update the procedures and use all of the new ones. Um, I want to have a controller, a base controller, that has um, a function that I can call. And that function is basically going to do all the work for me for doing the procedure. So I want to have a base controller with a function that takes the procedure name and the parameters that I'm going to pass through to that procedure. And then on the front end, um, and, oh, sorry, let's go one step further. Then my API, I want to have a consistent way of organizing procedures in my API. So every time we add a new procedure in the API, we're doing it the same way. So it's very predictable and very easy to add new procedures. And by doing that, it means that when I write my front end code, I wanted to create a composable especially for procedures, where basically I provide the namespace of the procedure and the name of the procedure. And then all I have to do is call the name of the procedure and um, give it all of the parameters and it's going to hit the back end 
and the name of the procedure and the parameters are going to line up with what I said in my controller. Anyway, you get the point. The, the idea is I'm going very wide. I'm thinking I want everything to be set up really nicely. I want to make sure that I'm covering a lot of edge cases so then we can go far. We can go to town on procedures. So whenever we need to reach for them, whenever we need to do complex procedure stuff, I am ready to go. All I have to do is create the query for it, create the controller for it, and then use my composable uh, on the front end. All right, so th this is this is a really important way to think uh, when you're dealing with large-scale applications. It's probably less important with smaller applications because the scope is so small um, and you're not going fast. You don't have to go as wide if you're not going to go as far. Um, however, the project that I'm working on at work, uh, if we don't create good architectures from the beginning, then we start hitting brick walls very quickly. Things start breaking down. People start writing code that other people can't understand. Things aren't self-documented anymore. And we have to write, we would have to write huge documentation to be like, this, how, this is exactly how we do things, rather than the code being very self-documenting. And so this is why I think it's very important when you're on larger projects to take the time to think about it, to go wide before you start digging in and producing features. So this is really cool because now that I've done this, um, we're starting to realize that there's actually a lot of places where we can start reaching to, for procedures. And we're starting to notice a lot of places in the future, especially as we start collecting more data. Um, when we want to aggregate data in very meaningful ways, we need to do procedures. We need SQL procedures in order to do that because they need to do a whole bunch of complex queries behind the scenes to give us the result we want. And, the, and it's really great because it means we can write this procedure once in SQL and then easily use it uh, through an API. And then later on down the line, when we want to expose our API to the public, we can expose our procedures really easily because we have this really nice architecture. Now, this has taken me over a week to figure all of this out and to make it really clean. But once, so, you know, that's the going wide part once again. But if I didn't do that, then we would have wasted months of time trying to clean up our procedures in the future, um, trying to get other people to understand our procedure code, uh, trying to make sure that we have a way of doing procedures, or even worse, not having a way to do procedures and then having different ways of doing them throughout our code and it just ending up being a total mess. And that's why uh, I think it's very important to have this concept of going wide and then going far. Okay, so now here's the other, here's the other thing. Later on, I almost guarantee that I'm going to hit a brick wall despite my best efforts with my procedures. And I think it's very important also that when I do hit that brick wall, that I start going wide again. All right. This is something that we've done a couple of times in the business. Um, for those of you that don't know, I work for an agri agriculture company and I was the sole a web developer on the team to begin with. We've um, got another developer now, but it was just me to begin with. And I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but luckily, I know a lot of businesses can't do this, but luckily um, I was given the time to go back and fix a lot of those mistakes. So basically um, go back and go wide again. And we've been tick-tacking between these two states of going wide, making sure we create a good structure. Um, we ended up moving to a mono repo because we had nightmares having multiple repos, trying to keep things in sync. That was just an absolute nightmare. Um, so that was me going wide, deciding to say, all right, I'm going to turn this into a monorepo. It's going to take me a bit of time, but it will allow us to move more quickly in the future. 
um, creating a better structure, we decided that we wanted to have a lot of mini apps in our business. So I had to take the time to once again, go wide, make sure we had a really nice structure um, for our components so that we could basically just drop these components in our core apps and they would be in sync throughout all of our mini applications as well. So we've got a core app that can do most of our, the stuff that we need, but then we've got mini apps as well that will do like more micro tasks, which um, the farmers are going to love. We haven't done it much yet, but a great example of that is uh, Rainfall. We have a Rainfall app that's just focused on recording Rainfall um, but we've also got our core app that allows us to record rainfall and they're pulling from the same component library So we we don't have to worry about keeping those in sync So once again in order to make that possible I had to sit down for then this particular thing ended up taking a couple of weeks to figure out But I took those couple of weeks I went wide and now we can go really far and do some pretty amazing things with having multiple micro apps uh, With components that still remain in sync with all of our um, other applications and yeah, so we're about to go far now with um, our procedures and start doing some really exciting stuff. But I, I'll let you know another thing that I predict we're going to have to go wide on soon, which is our CI um, integration. We don't have a very solid um, continuous integration environment. Um, and because of that, it's uh, it's very difficult to for us to run tests um, and, and multiple other things as well. Like for us to, for example, notice when we push new code what applications need to be built again. At the moment, we kind of just need to rebuild everything, which is very inefficient. It doesn't matter right now because of the size of our business, but it's getting bigger and bigger. So it's going to reach a point where we once again have to stop, go wide, make sure we've got a really nice development environment that's going to allow us to say, hey, we've noticed that one of the core um, components has been updated. Now, what do we have to rebuild? Do we have to rebuild our core app again? Do we have to, what sub apps do we need to build? You know, of our micro apps, which of those do we need to rebuild again? You know, we have to start answering these questions um, and being able to create a continuous integration environment that is very flexible in that way. Otherwise, we won't be able to go far. Otherwise, in two or three years time, we're going to be like, crap, our CI environment um, is costing us a sorry, I can't swear on this, it's costing us a ton of money um, and it's taking forever for us to push new code because everything is building and now we need to buy new servers and, you know, otherwise we go serverless and then have to, and have to deal with all that crap. And so, once again, going wide so that we can go far. So I'm super excited about this concept. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. It's a pretty long one today, but I think this is a really important concept for um, for me to understand. And when I talk about it, I'm more likely to implement it myself. So thanks for letting me tell you guys about this so that you can... Um so that I can sort of get it off my chest and sort of get it deeper into my brain so that I'm more likely to follow this advice. And yeah, let me know what you think in the comments, if you think it's a good idea to go wide and go far, or if you prefer to just go really, really, really far for months or even years on end, and then spend maybe, I don't know, three or four months going wide and just cleaning up your mess. Like some people do prefer to do it that way. Um, whereas I prefer to constantly tic-tac um, between going wide and going far. So yeah, thanks for listening to this one. Check out quasarcomponents.com if you want to learn all 72 plus of Quasar's components. And I'm super excited to have also released quasar-news.com. So there's going to be a new podcast on there where I give you the latest in Quasar and View News. And also like the latest in web technologies like um, new additions to JavaScript, CSS, stuff like that. So it's going to be a great podcast for anybody who wants to learn about Quasar and web development in general. So those websites again are Quasar Components 
Finance.com and Quasar-News.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next podcast. Oh, and remember, there is nothing you can't build.